2: My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, just try and make us some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Here we go again. With the value over growth trade, which is how you get a day where the Dow jumps 423 points, S&P gains 1.23%, while the Nasdaq just inches up 0.42% after spending a lot of time being way down in what was a very ugly swoon. The
3: house of
4: pain.
2: Look, I get it. The high-flying tech stocks have had a huge run. Value has lagged. So as we pick through the rubble from last week, investors are dumping growth stocks and swapping into value names. Uh, uh, at some points today, well, it was pretty much breathtaking fashion. Someone has watched these rotations come and go over decades of observations. So 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 Let me explain how they work to help you get your head around the collapse of tech that's been in the making for a week. And the ascendance of some of the most pedestrian companies around. First, early this morning, well before we even got near the opening bell, probably around like 4 o'clock, 4.15, every stock seemed to be indicated higher. It looked like the start of a big, broad-based move that could reverse a huge chunk of last week's sell-off. And by the way, between five and six, it was being led by tech. The strength felt widespread, perhaps a follow-through from the late-day rebattle Friday. There's just one problem. Investors legitimately have no idea what's coming in in the next 48 or even 72 hours, or however long it takes to count the votes. And they're susceptible to any suggestion that might transcend the election. In other words, everyone's sick of the election. They want to make some money in spite of it, not because of it. Honestly, I don't think anything will be able to withstand the withering fire of the actual election results. At least not in the short term. But traders are determined to make money every day. They refuse to be deterred by the ballot box or the virus, for that matter. Into that vortex, voila, comes a War and Peace-sized tome from J.P. Morgan Research. You always love that when, you, when someone s- sends it to you and says, listen, be careful. It's 167 pages. Be careful, because no one wants to print that out. A lot of trees. Uh, and and the, what does it say? Well, I'm going to give you the gist of it. It says, time to abandon growth. Switch back to value. Hmm. I think it would have been more valuable before tax come up It's last week. Usually this kind of note has enough staying power to influence a couple of portfolio managers in the morning, convincing them to dump tech and maybe swap into, say, Caterpillar or Chevron. Well, that's exactly what happened. See, I looked at the piece and I'll admit it makes some sense. I mean, even after last week's slacking, most tech stocks have had huge runs and their valuations are stretched. I love Amazon, but I, I can't seriously argue that it's cheap stock. Hey, we had Rowan Trellop, the CEO of Five9 on the show Friday. He had just delivered one of the best. Best quarters of the year, picture perfect, and this stock was up more than 130% for the year, so that, you know, that was vulnerable. Zoom Video's had a great run, but at the highs, it's trading at 50 times sales, not earnings, sales. Even Apple, which has long sold a major discounts to the big tech peers, finally climbed high enough to join the over 30 times earnings club. These red-hot tech stocks were all ripe for the trimming. They were practically begging for some profit-taking. Same goes for the rest of FANG, Facebook, Netflix, Apple. Uh, Alphabet, they were ready, although Alphabet did plan such a good quarter. They all suffered hideous, well, no, I shouldn't say all, that's too broad-based. Most of them suffered hideous liquidations. But in a rotation, that money doesn't just disappear from the market, right? It doesn't go into cash. Oh, it just goes right into another group. So where did all the tech money go? First, it plowed into oil, all the oils, as the price of crude rebounded at very low levels. The best representative, Chevron. It was up 4%. Chevron, did you see the quarter on Friday? It was so ugly, I didn't want to waste my time on it. But I had to. It poured into the industrials. 3M rallied nearly 2%. That I said that Mike Rome was doing a good job there, but no one liked it last week. Caterpillar vaulted 4%. They missed their quarter. They missed it. Uh, Honeywell initially fell four points on Friday after reporting before stabilizing, getting a little rally. Today it caught fire. It was up 5%. I mean, where were the buyers at 162? Even the banks got the group back going today. JP Morgan was as cheapest as I've seen it in ages. Today, finally, it gained 2%. I mean, for this stock to gain 2% is, well, I don't know. I mean, they have to have found gold in the vault. This move was as easy as a rotation in volleyball. Suddenly the value stocks find themselves at the net, hammering it down the throats of the other team spike in it. The tech all-stars like Shopify and Kramer fave Octa just got crushed. Only a handful of the Red Hots were able to hang in there, like the stink Snowflake, the most expensive stock in the market. And of course, the sainted Tesla. What was J.P. Morgan's thesis when they told Wall Street to dump growth and go all in value? Well, they're betting we'll get some encouraging economic numbers, which makes these beaten down cyclicals like, whoa, there we go, um, more attractive, especially versus tech. They figured we'll see a, a turn coming in January. Well, as it happens, we got a stronger than expected PMI number today, this very morning, which then sent the rotation to overdrive. People said, oh, J.P. Morgan's onto something. However, as we got closer to the end of the day, Tech got its mojo back. Sorry to use such a technical term. And the NASDAQ was able to mount a half-decent comeback. It felt like the J.P. Morgan report was already fading away. It's like in the rearview window, yeah? So tech tried its best to play catch-up, be a new piece tomorrow, no doubt. Now, before I get into the specifics, I've got to tell you, I hate these growth versus value calls. Why? Well, first, they're usually made by very smart people who know they can make a splash, and this equity strategy piece did just that. It was filled with really cool-looking charts and graphs, authoritative-sounding commentary. It made you want to take action. But what if the recommended action is wrong? What if the growth stocks aren't done going higher? What if value isn't really a coherent category? What if the tech's horrifying decline last week and then ugliness today before a hard pivot actually defined a bottom, not a top, right in the face of the J.P. Morgan War and Peace novel? Second, rotations make you suspend any work you've done on individual stocks. Forget the Chevron and Exxon, which screamed higher today, just report horrendous quarters. Pay no attention to the fact that crude's still down dramatically over the past couple of weeks. Don't worry about Exxon's possibly unsustainable 10% yield. Hard to find anything with more value than oil, right? <coughs> Wrong. The oil business is terrible. But in rotation, nobody wants to let the facts get in the way of the story, right? Third, hello, there's an election tomorrow. Once we have certainty on the outcome, the tech stocks will be a coiled spring and the value stocks will be spent. How do I know this? Because I run a charitable trust, which owns a bunch of value stocks. I feared that their subpar earnings would keep them from running. Thanks to J.P. Morgan, they actually got some win in their sales. What an opportunity to hit the eject button after a couple days rally. Thank you, J.P. Morgan. However, once we find out who the next president is, we're, we're going to be still faced, let's say, with a COVID-led slowdown. Have you noticed that? There are over 100,000 new cases on Friday, new record. The pandemic is, frankly, out of control, which is bad news for America, whether you like or hate the president. Good for the stocks that help promote digitization and make it easier for us to work from home. That's been accelerated, remember? Finally, regardless of who wins tomorrow, we're getting another stimulus package, maybe later this month, maybe in January. Ah, but whatever that comes, it will be too late to offset the economic damage from this new wave of COVID cases. Sadly, that's when growth thrives right here. I love this too late. I was going to put it over here. Almost needed technical help. No one's allowed to touch me. We have a real Hobson's choice going here. If President Trump wins, his laissez faire approach will have its own set of consequences. Sooner or later, the hospitals will get overwhelmed. In some places, they're already running out of control. They're running out of beds. And even without a lockdown, people will be afraid to leave their homes. Where Biden wins, and we get into a partial lockdown, where people are also afraid to leave their homes. Under both scenarios, value fails, growth wins. That said, this kind of rotation call is a godsend if you own the oil stocks. You're finally getting a chance to sell them into some strength, which is I am pleading you to do. Here's the bottom line. Whenever you see someone preaching about growth versus value, you've got to remember that there's growth, there's value, and there's a little-known third category. It's called no value. The beaten-down stocks that deserve to go even lower. The no-value names are like roach motels. Buyers check in, but they can't check out. Unless a firm like J.P. Morgan steps in with a, eh, you know, kind of a bullish, too bullish piece, too bullish piece about value versus growth. And that gives you a chance to escape. Hey, why don't we start with Clayton in Indiana? Clayton. Booyah, Mr. Kramer. Booyah. First, I just want to thank you for everything you do. Wow. And thank my brother Eric for
1: introducing me to your show because I've learned so much.
2: Oh, God, that's so nice. I mean, I was working all day yesterday trying to figure out, like, why am I working all day yesterday? It's because of guys like you. Let's go to work.
1: My question has to do with Twitter. I'm aware that the company has been under a lot of pressure regarding censorship in the election. The stock was trading at around $50 last week and has continued to drop even after Friday's 20% shift. I was wondering if you think now is a good entry
4: point.
2: Well, they did only have a million daily average users. That was down from 20 million. I happen to be a big believer in Ned Siegel, who's the CFO. They announced uh, they were going to recommence their buyback after the close today. Uh, I think it has gotten too cheap. The problem is I see no catalyst. I see no catalyst, but it's gotten too cheap. Let's go to Kevin, also in Indiana. Kevin. Bang on and booyah, Jimmy. Booyah I love back. the Eagles, by the way. I love the Eagles, my man. I my like the defense. I like Coach Schwartz. Yeah. I, yeah, I know. Anybody who beats the Patriots, man, I love. Everybody's right beating on. the Patriots. What's the problem? Yeah.
4: It's a oh, low but, bar there.
2: Uh, low bar. I know. My question, is, my question here, though, is on Akamai Technologies. This is a great content delivery company. We're working with the biggest brands, NFL, the NBA. Great cloud security company. Work from home stock. Tom Layton is fantastic. He's providing really good results. But I don't understand we've got a... Kevin, it, it missed practice. the quarter really bad. You know that. It missed the quarter. And I agree this is good company, but it did miss the quarter. And I am surprised with Frank Reich in your great state of Indiana kill, killing him with the Colts that you bother to mention any of these teams. I think Coach Frank Reich is the genius who will end up in the Super Bowl there. Yes, Pittsburgh. All right, guys. Rotations, they come and go, and I'm kind of sick of them, frankly, because all they do is churn you and make you trade. That's not what we're about remember there's growth there's value and then there's no value sell the oils oh man buddy tonight winter is coming causing concerns of a covid resurgence so how's clorox preparing as demand for its products is back on the rise i'm talking with the new ceo following the company's clean sweep after earnings then with covid restrictions and lockdowns rising in the u.s and europe many people are looking for ways to pass the time i'm going to find out if a newly minted company that many of you have asked about this is called a tease could help and it's a dirty business. But is it time to maybe do a little dumpster diving and turn trash into treasure? No, I'm not talking about my fantasy team. I'm talking about the CEO of Waste Management after earnings. So stay with Kramer.
3: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to MadMoney at CNBC.com, or give us a call
2: When the market sold off indiscriminately last week, I told you to circle the wagons around the COVID bull markets. Five areas that are thriving, not just despite the pandemic, but because of it. COVID bull markets like hygiene where Clorox has just been crushing it. I'm so glad I pounded the table on this one last week because this morning, Clorox reported a ball quarter with higher-than-expected sales and a massive 90-cent earnings beat off a $2.32 basis. You almost never see that kind of number, especially from a consumer-packaged goods buy. Even better, management raised their full-year forecast. No wonder the stock surged nearly $9, or more than 4% today. So can this thing keep roaring? Let's take a closer look with Linda Randall. She's the newly appointed CEO of Clorox. Took over from Ben O'Dor. Ms. Rendell, congratulations on the quarter and congratulations on your fantastic ascendance to the CEO job.
4: Thanks, Jim. It's great to be here. I'm happy to continue our tradition of Clark CEOs joining you on Mad Money.
2: Oh, you're terrific. Thank you. But I read uh, these conference calls. Uh, Periodically, I think it's just popping me And this one. This quote, we're still not at a point where we can fully meet ongoing elevated demand. I mean, The demand must be insane because Ben has been saying this to us for two quarters.
4: Absolutely. The demand has been incredible, not only on our cleaning and disinfecting products, which we've seen demand upward as high as 500 percent, but we're seeing broad based demand across our portfolio. And with that, we're able to grow double digits in eight out of our 10 business units uh, this quarter. We're just seeing broad based support as we continue to support people as they stay at home. They eat more meals at home. And of course, as they're cleaning and disinfecting more. Uh, It is
2: funny. I read it. We installed a Brita. Uh, I don't know. My wife wanted that. I eat the Hidden Valley because I go home by myself. She's out. We separate. But when we get together, we're always making a campfire. We're always cook. We're always using the Kingsfords. I mean, so obviously we're not alone. There's got to be like 50 million people doing what we're doing.
4: That's exactly right, Jim. We hear so many people doing exactly what you're doing. They're doing the right thing by staying at home to keep other people well. And with that, they're cooking more at home. About three-quarters of people are cooking at home more than they did pre-COVID. They're grilling more. And they're grilling every day, not just on the weekend or for special occasions, um, but they're doing that for everyday meal occasions. They're using Hidden Valley as they have lunch at home instead of picking up a lunch at the office. And then, like you said, more people are drinking water to keep themselves well. So Britta has done... Just tremendous over the last few quarters as people have embraced that as a way to have better tasting water that's better for them.
2: The one I didn't see coming, i had always told Benno, I'm worried about this category about glad bags because there's so much competition. Suddenly, I mean, we use the ones that smell good, which is terrific, by the way, because the trash smelled bad before this. But glad record double digit sales growth. Also, I love what you're doing in terms of the packaging. You clearly understand the zeitgeist of the moment.
4: Yeah, you know, Glad has been just a tremendous business for us over time. And what we focus so heavily on is innovation in a category that, frankly, isn't great for people uh, to have to deal with. It's trash. So we make that even better by delivering trash bags that don't rip, that have great scents, that have great experiences. And we just launched a trash bag, GLAAD, uh, for Slex with Clorox. And that helps keep away the bacterial and food odors that people are experiencing as they stay at home. So we're going to continue to innovate on this business, continue to deliver superior value, um, and we know we'll continue to have great results on this business moving forward.
2: As someone who believes in the the, uh, bull market and hygiene, I was gratified to see that not only are you sticking with uh, uh, some good promotions, but you've upped 30 percent, 30 percent budget increase to get the word out, which to me tells me that you're playing offense.
4: We're playing 100 percent offense, Jim. That's exactly right. We have such a moment here for our brands where more consumers are bringing them into their households across our portfolio. Um, We have seen household penetration that is stable or increasing double in our portfolio year over year. We have the highest percentage of people saying that our portfolio is superior uh, on record. And we want to take an opportunity to play offense. And so with that, we are investing. And like you said, we increased our advertising spend by 30% this quarter. We're going to continue to increase that investment through the remainder of the year because we want to serve more people around the world. And we have a unique opportunity to do that as people's behaviors are changing.
2: Now, we I've got the Clorox wipes in front of me. Uh, I had the discussion. I think a lot of people had this weekend with with my spouse, which was, okay. another rate, another wave coming. Let's stock up again. We don't have enough to handle it. I am sure that that is occurring in many households in this country and around the world. And we turn to Clorox for help.
4: Well, Jim, I'm so glad you do. And I'm so grateful to everyone around the country who does that. We feel privileged to be able to be in people's households to keep them well. And I just want to reassure everyone that our absolute number one priority is supplying as many wipes and disinfecting products as we can We've made tremendous progress over the last many months to deliver more, um, and we're running our supply chain 24-7, running uh, the items that uh, run fastest in our supply chain, and we're committed to getting as many as we can as we go through this very unfortunate second
2: wave. I, I, one last thing, though, I do want to point out that your goal is to have 100% recyclable, reusable, or compostable packaging by 2025, which would be so admirable because, man, there's a lot of plastic on my table.
4: Yeah, you know, we understand what people are doing in the short term as they're at home and single-use plastic is up. But we're deeply committed and more committed than ever to the sustainability goals that we set as a company. And that is the signature goal that you just talked about. And we're well on our way to get there. We want to ensure that we're doing good business while doing the right thing uh, for the planet and helping people thrive. And we're going to accelerate that progress over the coming years to ensure that we meet that goal.
2: So you're going to keep Benno's philosophy of, of actually paying people if they save safe for the environment, that's, right? That's a way to make the advance at Clorox.
4: That's exactly right, Jim. You know, Benno took that to heart. It was something he instilled in all of us. It's something I have continued passion for, as does all of the people here at Clorox. Um, and we'll continue to make sure that we're great stewards of the environment and committed to ESG progress.
2: Now, I don't want to put you on the spot here because I know you use that five to nine percent uh, for a uh, forecast. But what is your personal view about how we're doing here? Because I, I know a lot of us think that it's really gotten out of control. Uh, that we lost control of the pandemic. Uh, Judging by the depth of of the strength of your products, I had to conclude that that's an honest judgment.
4: You know, I I, I think there's so much good that people are doing right now, trying to stay home, wearing masks, uh, washing their hands. And I would just encourage people to continue to do that. And of course, using disinfecting products are a great way to keep them safe. And I think that's the most important thing we can do from here on out. The cases are rising. We want to keep people safe. Safe. So we ask everybody to ensure that they're staying distanced, wearing masks, washing their hands and using disinfecting products to keep them safe.
2: Well, it's the best. It's the best things we have right now. I want to thank you so much, Linda, for coming on the show. Linda Rendell. She's the CEO, of course. Good to see you.
4: Great to see you, Jim. Thank you. Okay.
2: Thank you. And look, what a stock. I mean, what, what am I going to say? You, you don't feel like profiteering on a pandemic, but you have to love this company. That money's back into
4: Here's a question. Have you ever been prescribed a medication? Most likely, yes. Well, what about this question? Did you understand how it worked? The way your medication works in your body shouldn't be a mystery. Learn how VivGart, FGart Tigamod Alpha FCAB works by visiting vivgart.com MOA. That's V-Y-V-G-A-R-T dot com slash MOA. Brought to you by Argenics.
2: Everybody's laser focused on the election, but I just want to help you make some money regardless of how things play out tomorrow. So let's forget about politics for a minute, please. Let's talk opportunity. Yesterday where the Dow and the S&P clawed back a decent chunk of last week's losses, you know what stayed down? Tech. And that's where we want to go shopping because we're not buying into the notion that tech is done. We're buying into the notion of opportunity with tech. Remember back in September when the market got flooded with tech IPOs? I think this is the perfect time to circle back to some of those deals, especially the higher quality ones that haven't gotten as much buzz. Take one that a lot of you are interested in. It's called Corsair Gaming, C-O-R-S-A-I-R. That's a computer hardware brand that sells high-end components, systems, and peripheral targeting hardcore gamers. Corsair came public on September 23rd and the deal landed with a thud. Stock price at 17 bucks, opened at 15, changed, closed at $14.25. People said, oh, what a stinker. However, it did find its groove. It rallied to $20 by the end of September. Then surging to $26 over this month, as analysts started rolling out their coverage with enthusiastic buy ratings. God, what a bargain it was down there. People are starting to take notice of that. We've gotten a couple of calls about Corsair in the past few weeks, and I'm constantly being asked about it on Twitter. This company makes beautiful products, and more importantly, it reminds me of Logitech, one of the great winners of the COVID-19 era that we identified early because millions of people desperately need their mice and keyboards and cameras to set up new home offices. If is in the same boat, then it might be worth buying into weakness, like the recent pullback that's taken the stock down to below 23. I think this is an interesting opportunity. So does Corsair gaming really deserve to be spoken in the same breath as the big winner, Logitech? Why don't we just break it down so you know? Now, video games are one of the great growth stories of our era. And the whole industry's gotten a huge boost in the pandemic because people are stuck at home. Within the broader gaming space, there are over a half a billion people worldwide who game on their computers. Nearly 100 million of them spend an astounding $1,000 on the PC setup. Put it all together, we're talking about a $30 billion market for PC gaming here. And remember, I'm not talking about the games themselves, because those stocks have been under a tremendous amount of pressure. They have me worried. I think that there are opportunities, too. This one's easier. Corsair Gaming sells gaming keyboards, gaming mice, gaming headsets, high-performance controllers, and streaming gear so you can record yourself playing and broadcast it over the Internet. People love this stuff, and it's not just peripherals. Corsair makes their own PCs, too, along with all sorts of components, memory cases, power supply units, cooling systems. When it comes to this high-end gaming equipment, they're either number one or number two in every segment where they operate with an 18% market share in gaming peripherals. (laughs) Now, you could say all this stuff is commoditized. I mean, one mouse isn't that much different from another mouse. One keyboard is not that different from another keyboard, right? However, there's clearly something that sets Corsair apart because they're selling tons of this stuff at a huge premium to the rest of the industry. Their computer cases sell at a 45% premium. Their cooling systems sell at an 86% premium. Even their high-performance memory DRAMs, the same stuff Micron makes, carry an 11% premium. The fact that they've been able to take market share while maintaining such high prices tells you everything you need to know about the strength of the brand that is Corsair. Now, Corsair knows what its customers want, and they know how to promote themselves. Starting in 2018, the company went on a takeover spree. It bought a series of businesses to become a one-stop shop in streaming and eSports equipment. Now, I don't know why so many kids like to watch other Kids playing, or not just kids, but athletes, whatever, playing video games. But it has become a huge business and a huge sport. Of course, they're now sponsors eSports stars the same way that Nike sponsors professional athletes. In fact, you could argue that this is the closest thing to a publicly traded pure play on eSports out there. And eSports is still doing well. How about the financials? Okay, in the first six months of 2020, Corsair posted nearly 42% revenue growth. That's a massive acceleration from last year's 17% growth. Well, a lot of that comes from acquisitions. Remember, we want organic. Acquisition is not as good. Or the COVID-related surge in business. That's acceptable. It's still pretty impressive. Meanwhile, the company's gross margin, what they make after the cost of goods sold, is expanding by leaps and bounds from 19% last year to 267 in their first months of 2020. Oh, and Corsair just started turning a profit. All this is totally unexpected. Going forward, the analysts are predicting that Corsair's components business will effectively flatline over the next three years. But the components side is, is much less important. It only accounts for 36% of the company's gross profits. The big money's in peripherals, which the NLC increasing at an 18.3 compound gro- uh, annual growth rate through 2023. Those are solid numbers, but keep in mind that the current COVID fuel growth rate may not be sustainable. I'm trying to give you both sides here. Putting it all together, this is a very impressive story to me. Corsair got its start in the memory business way back in the 90s. Memory is the ultimate tech commodity. Over time, though, they've gradually expanded into more lucrative end markets, fancy gaming gear, and recording equipment are better businesses than DRAM modules. That said, tech hardware remains a tough industry. Corsair may dominate the high-end gaming equipment space right now, but they've got a bunch of competitors with deep pockets, which is one reason this company is to spend so much on R&D, not to mention marketing. So far, Corsair stayed on the offensive, borrowing lots of money to finance a series of smart acquisitions. But this is now a $2.1 billion company with roughly $500 million in debt. I think they might need to hold off on doing more deals until they paid that debt down. Longer term, you also need to watch out for cloud-based gaming. Companies like Google, which had such a great quarter, are trying to set up streaming services where you play your games on their hardware and then send it to you over the web, just like cloud-based enterprise software. However, the technology isn't there yet. We need better broadband before this is viable, although that's coming. I mean, maybe 5G changes things. But even if Corsair's components business takes a hit, the lion's share of their sales already comes from those peripherals I mentioned. Even if you play games via the cloud, you still need your own mouse, keyboard, headphones, whatever. One last worry here. Corsair's a private equity-backed IPO, and their sponsor, Eagle Tree Capital, still owns a 78% stake in the business. In other words, they control Corsair. not, Not you, not your fellow shareholders. Either Eagle Tree stays in control or they gradually sell down their position, putting pressure on the stock. That's suboptimal. So Corsair's got a solid growth story. And perhaps most impressive, its stock has a reasonable and totally not insane valuation. This one trades at 25 times next year's earnings estimates, making it just slightly more expensive than Logitech, the closest comparison, although you know how much I like Logitech. Remember, though, this thing just recently turned profitable. Meanwhile, Corsair trades at only 1.4 times sales, which is much cheaper than Logitech at 3.6 times sales. Far cry from the real high flyers that came public in September. I like that, too. Here's the bottom line. Corsair Gaming reports its first quarter as a publicly traded company on Tuesday of next week. If you like this story, you do have my blessing. You do. To put it on a small position now and then wait for the results before you buy more. Corsair is currently at 23. I wouldn't be surprised if it gradually make its, its way all the way to the 30s. But the low 30s. Don't want to get too bullish. David in Michigan. David. Booyah, Professor Kramer. Oh, You're awesome. going to save my life tonight. All right, let me give it a shot. My stock is JFrog. I've lost $12 on it so far. It's down for the day. It's down for the week. It's down for the month. It's down more than the S&P, and it's down on up days. Insiders have sold $58.8 million in the past three months. Estimated earnings due to the fourth, which is the day after tomorrow, are zero. As a net loss of 3.7 million TTM, is this a buying opportunity? A whole in this, I- we are right now, as I said at the top of the show, we are right now at the um, what I regard as being near the apex of a movement to get out of tech and move into value. Uh, I think you this one's caught. If it were next week at this time, I think you would find it could rally on the quarter. This is a very, very good company, JFrog. I know it's got a silly name. It uh, It's a silly name, J Frog. I would have changed it, but it's a good company. All right, tech is where you want to go shopping here as they go down. Remember, not aggressive because we're not at that apex yet. You got my blessing to put a sm- the apex of value versus uh, growth. You got my sm- I'm, I'm letting you buy a small position. Of course, you're gaming now. It's come down, but then you got to wait for the results for more. I think this one's got upside. I really, it feels like it's. I don't want to say it's a son of Logitech, but it's good. All right, much more Mad Money ahead. One man's trash, another man's treasure. I'm sitting down with the terrific CEO of Waste Management, WN. See if that stock could have you cleaning up after earnings. Then, as European lockdowns widen, I'm eyeing eight stocks that benefit the most if we see a modified lockdown here. Remember, modified, okay? An order calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Don't I feel like a little trash talk? Not just because my beloved Eagles steamrolled the Dallas Cowboys last night. I'm so old I can remember when the Cowboys were a good team. But that's not the kind of trash talk we're going for. I mean, literal trash, as in the stuff that gets carted away by waste management, the top dog in the North American waste disposal business, a stock we like so much we learned from my charitable trust. This morning, waste management which is based in Houston, not Dallas, so they were spared the embarrassment. we a good quarter, and that matters because this company's a fabulous bellwether for the broader economy. When times are good, when there's a lot of construction, they generate more business. So it's reassuring when Waste Management delivers a comfortable top and bottom line beat, along with positive commentary about the rest of the year. In response, the stock rallied nearly 3 bucks, though it's still down substantially from its highs last month. I think that's a lot more upside, but don't take it from me. Let's check in with Jim Fish. He's the president and CEO of Waste Management. Learn more about the quarter and where his company's headed. Mr. Fish, welcome back to Mad Money. Jim, how are you? I am good, Jim. Thank you, Jim. I, I struggle sometimes to get external volumes for the third quarter down, external landfill for the third quarter down just over eight percent special waste down. And yet you were still able to do incredible numbers. So this must be a combination of, of uh, savings and a team that is maybe more digital team that, that knows more about how to how to do its job.
1: Yeah, and there were a couple of things going on. I mean, obviously, we were down. Everybody expected revenue and volumes to be down. They were down less than expected, so that was good news, actually. And then uh, the real story was that we learned we've learned through COVID. Everybody looks at 2020 as kind of a throwaway year. We learned that uh, we can operate this business at a lower cost structure, both the operating cost side and the SG&A side, and we'll take that uh, going forward for the long term.
2: Now, when you you just finished a very big acquisition, I'm hoping you'll be able to extend exactly what you just talked about to the
1: acquisition, because then I think that your numbers would even be better in, in uh first half of the next year. Well, that's the plan. That's uh, it was it was long in, in uh, closing. It took uh, maybe a little longer than we expected, but we're thrilled to have it closed. It closed last week. And and that's exactly what we plan to do is is extend this, whether it's the digital side of our business, The customer service digitalization or whether it's the learnings on the uh, lower cost structure, extend that to the uh, advanced business and and carry it forward as well.
2: All right. Let's talk about COVID in your company. Uh, Lodging, travel, education, restaurants, stadiums. These are all big trash generators. They've got to be down big. Is there any hope for them?
1: Well, so here's the, as an investor, here's the beauty of, of this business and, and our company specifically, and that is that we don't have exposure to one individual segment. Uh, we have exposure to multiple, to, to every segment of the economy. So you, you named a couple that were down more than others, and they have uh, recovered a bit. They'll recover more next year as, as all these states reopen. But the beauty of our business is that, that we have uh, essential businesses out there, customers that are essential businesses that have been doing well even in, in March, April, May. And housing's been good. I mean, you taught us that when you
2: get these big housing developments, that produces a lot of trash.
1: It does. And, and again, that's a segment that we are that we have exposure to. Uh, it, it's doing well. The the economy had a really nice bounce back, as you saw from the right. GDP numbers this week. So housing is, is going to be a piece of that. And, and we will do well with housing. Our, our construction and demolition business was down in the quarter some of that was year over year comps with the fires last year in California providing uh, a bit of a difficult comparison but we think that housing will be a positive for us in 2021.
2: Uh, there's a moment in the comps call I thought was very funny when your CFO said when we look at a Biden win and you said wait if we look, if we get one but there is a substantial tax hit if Biden wins does it, right numbers have to come down.
1: Well that's uh, we expect that if uh, Joe Biden wins tomorrow that that he would likely raise he's, he's talked about that, he'd likely, likely raise corporate taxes back we modeled it at somewhere around 28%, but um, but we're not sure, so we're, it's a bit of wait and see, but it's smart to, to plan just in case.
2: There was one moment that I was surprised, how can recycling start to get better? I thought that that business, there was no place to put the stuff, it was just a money loser, and that if anything, I wanted you out of it
1: I think there's two reasons GMI Recycling has improved. One is we've put a lot of, of uh, dollars into new technology. We opened a, a new MRF, MRF mean, meaning a recycle facility in Chicago last year that is very, very few people, almost all digital equipment. Uh, and that's done extremely well. We're doing the same in Salt Lake City. We've just uh, opened that uh, recycle facility and, and another one to open in the fourth quarter in Raleigh, North Carolina. So that's one thing. And then the other is that the demand for paper products and plastics has, has escalated this year. You recall, you used to, to not have a, um, you know, there was the run on toilet paper, for example, early on. And, and, and uh, a lot of these uh, paper products are producing some higher demand for us.
2: Well, that's right. I mean, liner board is up big. I mean, I'm sure there's a right. lot of uh, cardboard
1: that frankly doesn't matter what it's made of. And it can be made of your stuff. Well, and, and as China sh- gets out of the the uh, the import business, a lot of that comes back here to the United States. And that's that actually ends up being good for us.
2: Now, you also have been making some uh, some headway in some ESG initiatives that I want people. I want you to talk about the people because a lot of people just feel like that all you are is about trash. But you're being very thoughtful about some of this stuff.
1: Well, I think it's important to understand we are the biggest recycler in North America, as well as the, being the biggest uh, trash company in North America. So we're very focused on. On the E side of ESG, and uh, when we think about some of the investments we've made, we made a, an investment in a company that turns papers and low-value plastics into a building material. So we're we're excited about the prospects for uh, the for our sustainability movement here, and and the remaining aspects of ESG. Uh, this has been a big year for us for the social aspect, and and we focused on. Things like diversity and inclusion, but not just this year. I think if you're just focused on it, focusing on it this year, you're, you're behind the curve of it. We've been focusing on it for, for about five or, or ten years. Uh, we're proud of what we've done.
2: Well, one last question. With your predecessor, we went to Camden, New Jersey, and we saw a Phillips station uh, for uh, natural gas. Is there any way that you might get interested in green uh, natural gas, hydrogen?
1: Specifically on our on our vehicles, I think that's an that's an alternative for us. Right now, we've transitioned to about 70% of our fleet is is C and G natural gas, but we can pivot quickly if the technology comes along for either electrification or hydrogen. And we're looking at those. We were out recently looking at a, an electric vehicle company in the Bay Area, and we could do the same with hydrogen. So it's it's a bit of a wait and see, but we can pivot quickly if the technology starts to appear to be viable. I think that's great because you guys
2: are a leader and you could really drive the country toward it because you have so many trucks. Anyway, Jim Finch, President CEO of Waste Management. Congratulations on beating and raising on a quarter where some firms just kept downgrading you and didn't know what they were doing. Great to see you, sir. Good to see you. Thanks, Jim. All right. Uh, this is an inexpensive stock, and it's down a great deal because there were some analysts who felt they were going to miss the quarter. They obviously didn't do that. Take a look at it. May have money's back in for the break. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. What's up? And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, dead! It's time for the lightning round. We're going to start with K.R. in Pennsylvania. K.R.
1: Booyah, Jimmy Chill. How are yeah. you tonight? The
2: chill man is in the house. What's going
1: on? My wife and I love your show. Thank you. And she says hello as well.
2: Oh, well, that's sweet. I say hello right back at her.
1: <laughs> hey, my company tonight is, I've heard referred to as the Amazon of Africa. And we bought some shares around 6 or $7. It's up about six to about 16 and the company is Jumaya.
4: Wanted to get your thoughts. I up.
2: like this idea. Now it is a spec, but what happens if it's like Mercado Libre, which was the people told me was the eBay, uh, Amazon, whatever of Latin America? No one listened, and boom, that thing took off. I say this is a good spec. Let's put it that way. I need to go to Gary in Florida. Gary, booyah, Professor Kramer. Yes. Gary from Lighthouse Point. Long time, second time. Today I'm calling about Fibrogen. They have set that in phase three that looks very promising, and they report November fourth. Well, quarter. remember that's not good. We don't care about what that. That is a total spec development play, so the earnings won't matter. I like the idea as long as you put it in your total speculative column. Let's go to Tim in Pennsylvania. Tim. Hi, Jim. Tim. 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 Mr. Tim from Erie, Pennsylvania. Booyah. Booyah. Erie. He's. Key part of the state for the election. What's up? You betcha! You betcha! Hey, Jim, I was watching your show around seven months ago,
1: and NEO, N I O, was around three dollars. You said it wouldn't hit five, and it wasn't going anywhere. I've had it for over a year,
2: and now it's in the thirties. Well, I mean, look, this thing did take off. I admit that I was late to the party on this one. Uh, And what happened is it. It was a 10 on a 60-minute report, then I went down to two, and then ever since then, it's just been the Tesla of China, and i got to give them credit, and I think it does go higher. Uh, But again, I'm late on it, and you can blast me all you want on Twitter, but I was late. Better to admit it and be blasted than to hide it and be blasted. How's that? Whatever. How about Kia in California? Kia. Biggity,
4: biggity, biggity,
0: booyah! from
4: the yay area. We want to congratulate you, Jim, and we love you out here all day, every day. But my question for you is that good old Sabre.
2: Sabre. That's travel. Travel, leisure, hospitality, restaurant, bars. The answer is nay, nay, nay. I do not want to be in there. I thank you for those great comments. But Sabre, I mean, if you go look at the, at the line items of Google, The one thing that really did hurt them, and boy, they were really on fire, was travel advertising. So let's stay away from that. And let's go to Robert in Maryland. Robert! Booyah, Jimmy Chill! Oh, Chill's going to enter some... some, I'm going to do a little Chill Man tweet on the way home. Hit some of my enemies real hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, I just want to say real quick, thank you for being the light that is
3: guiding us all through these dark times. I really appreciate it.
2: All right. Trying to stay positive. Constructive is the term I like to use. Trying to make, stay constructive. Let's be constructive together. Okay. So check it out. I'm a beginner investor. Okay. I love cybersecurity. All right. And this holding I've had since the IPO came out. Okay. What is my next move on CrowdStrike? I love CrowdStrike. I think it's one of the absolute best. You hold on to it for multi years, maybe three to five. And that, ladies and gentlemen, conclusion of the Lightning Round.
3: The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade.
2: What do the scientists say about the best way to fight the pandemic? I bring this up because Joe Biden keeps saying he'll listen to the scientists. And if the polls are right, that could be official policy come January. So what would that policy look like? Okay, the best of the best scientists almost uniformly agree on three things. We need a national mask mandate more testing, and the closure of bars and restaurants. If Biden's serious about taking his cue from science, here's a good chance he'll take these questions away from the states and decide everything at the federal level. Right now, if you listen to President Trump, you'd think a Biden administration means we'll have a European-style lockdown, which is essentially what most states did in March. But no one's seriously floating that idea right now in the Democratic Party. I mean, talk about a much more limited partial shutdown. Of course, we don't know if any of this will even be relevant by the time Inauguration Day rolls around. There's almost three months from now, and three months from now in the time of COVID, it seems like forever. But still, if Biden wins, the federal government will get more aggressive about slowing the spread of the virus. So who benefits from that kind of partial lockdown? Mostly the companies that have already adapted to the new world, the ones that have spent the last six months preparing for another wave of infections. A partial lockdown, for instance, would be great news for a stock that's getting crushed here for the stock of Amazon. If you go over the latest quarter, Amazon set it's own target to spend its entire fourth quarter earnings on safety. They made a huge bet that we've all that, well, that we're going to have a hard winner. If COVID cases keep spiking, and why wouldn't they? Amazon will be ready, meaning their supply chains will remain intact. Can't say that about the other guys. Amazon stocks actually got hit on that news, and it to fall today. I think the sellers are being short-sighted. When the hospitals fill up and stores are forced to close, you'll be glad Amazon spent billions to ensure they'll be able to get you what you need. Second lockdown winner, Chipotle. Believe it or not, Chipotle is one of the few restaurant chains with a comprehensive plan to deal with the new wave of infections. These guys figured out that they can make just as much money without indoor dining by investing heavily in takeout and delivery. Chipotle's. Most restaurants have not adapted well to the world where they might be shut down again. Uh, they're simply hoping it won't happen. Hope it's not a strategy. Third, as the indoor dining plays are forced to close, we end up in a world dominated by the likes of Domino's Pizza, which barely had an indoor presence to begin with. It's all delivery. How about retail? There are two chains that have figured out touchless. That's Target and Walmart. They were vigilant throughout. They've been preparing for Biden or Trump. Even if we go back into full lockdown, they'll be able to stay open like they did in the spring because they're considered essential. Hopefully that definition will expand, but maybe it won't. What else? If a Biden administration decides to spend a lot more money on testing, well, you do want to own one of the testing plays, namely Abbott Labs or LabCorp, a company I've gotten to know that I think is doing a fantastic job. Following on the Clorox and Estee Lauder both work just fi- fine under the partial lockdown. Everybody buys more Clorox when infections spike. And Estee Lauder, well, what can I say? It's surprisingly essential right now because masks give so many people acne. Oh man, one of them's bleeding. That's horrible, and we call it maskne, right? I mean, they were able to report a great quarter simply because there's absolutely nothing you can do when you put this on. All right, the one thing that happens is you get a big pimple like this one right here that makeup's trying so hard to. Get. Go ahead, go ahead, see it. Makeup is trying so hard to, to they can't. You can't hide that, bad boy. ho ho! All right, the good news. All these names would work under both candidates. They're COVID winners, and COVID will be with us regardless of who wins tomorrow or Wednesday or Thursday or Friday because we're going to be live all week. Even a partial lockdown could get very ugly if Congress fails to pass another major stimulus package. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you i find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts
0: now.